0: Welcome to the BV set. No, stop it. No, it's alright.
1: No. Brace,
0: brace, Belding's caress. Ugh. Welcome to it. Do you uh, like that? It was just a little tip of your knee right there. Would you like a shoulder? No. Get away from me. I can't reach stop that far it. without yes. our mics overlapping. Uh, would you like another? Would you like no. a, would you like to tune in? The only way I know you're a British person is you're trying to touch me. No, <laughs> that's not true. You're an adult. <laughs>
2: What the,
0: fuck, what the fuck? accent was that? <laughs> no one ever knows yeah. what accent you're doing. Is it? It's crazy that I, I can do that.
1: I say, you know what I should say is what? that you should coin a new thing, which is that this is the accent of the Commonwealth. And then just Just let people think about it, and then you run away. Yeah, I'm mixing. We don't have to deal with it. uh, Yeah,
0: I'm full Commonwealth. (laughs) I'm everything. I'm historical Commonwealth too. I go from South Africa, sure, to Australia. Yeah, hop on over to the banks of Montreal. Absolutely. Well, that's not legally it is, (laughs) and England, the Commonwealth. I gotta tell you something. (laughs) I want to get something off my chest before we introduce ourselves. Okay, I was going to say. There needs to be federal hearings on air travel.
1: Oh my God, here we go. This you disagree man, with me? I haven't said anything. Okay. I'm just saying, you travel just a little bit, straight on down south, uh-huh. to Flo Rida. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. it wasn't that long ago you said, oh, I just got that.
0: Yeah, it, that's true. Flow Rida. Flow Rida. Flow Rida.
1: And now you are just full on, we got to commandeer the
0: Airlines I'm and the airports. I'm in this airport yesterday, Key West Airport. I'm doing the teeny I'm, tiny little thing, teeny, yeah. Oh, believe me, if I had a nickel for every time someone said teeny tiny little thing to me in the past few days, oh my god, let me tell you, I'd have enough to buy five gumballs. and then flow Rida. Um, I'm in this airport, 800 sweaty, chin strapped revelers mm. returning to their homes, and little old me, I'm doing. Uh, Diamond push-ups In the terminal Sure Or oh, I'm doing a diamond push-up <laughs> And uh, Very carefully Some fucking Yeah, it's really slow Uh, s- Some voice gets on the intercom And it's like Due to a Minor security breach Which they weren't talking about you They weren't talking about me I'd been in the airport for a while Yeah ha- Nothing minor about you Tapping guys' feet in the fucking stalls Yeah And uh, Wide stance Wide stance <laughs> in the stalls And And uh, He's like, due to a minor security breach, everybody has to leave the airport. And I was, I've never about? heard of this. I'd never heard of this in my life. All eight hundred sweaty revelers are forced I'm to calling them revelers. They were a lot of these people were. Were they still mid revel? Some, many smelled of seltzers. Sure. Uh, and having to leave the airport and then single file come back in. Single file. Single file come back in. Did people do it? What are you gonna do? Stay in Key West? There's no, nowhere just, to no, go. No, no, no. Did they single file? I mean, we had to single file. There was only one guy to let you in. Interesting. And they could manage the single file. They couldn't manage the single file. I get on the plane. I'm gonna tell you this. These seats are too small. Oh, because you're on tiny plane. I'm on tiny. Well, this is actually mid tiny plane. There's not enough. Pla- I'm. You know. I'm. You know me. Now, are the seats too small? Or are you too big? No. I'm. Oh, believe me. I'm small on the airplane. I, you, I do sideways profile. I sit like this. And you can't see it, listeners, but I sit on this my side directly facing the person next to me to make my profile sure and make them more comfortable. Exactly, because I can. It gets cold in airplanes. and My hot breath kind of heats them up. There's not enough room for people's bags.
1: Oh yeah, that's a whole. That's a new. That's thing. a crazy thing. No way Well, now because also everyone's losing their bags. Everyone's losing their and bags. And so, welcome to airport talk. By the way, everyone's losing their bags what's the deal with And so now everyone smart little brains big brain style are like no I'm bringing a carry-on. Yeah. But now there's not enough room for the carry on Cuz the carry-ons so then they bigger. say oh you brought a carry-on too bad too, you're too slow slow mo you got here late now you got to check it. Now yeah, you got to check it. And but it's I- free
0: now? Yeah, I don't know. And I, I, yeah. This is what I don't get. The other thing too. All these comics used to complain about airplane food
1: What's the deal?
0: My, I'm not even asking what's the deal with airplane food. I'm asking where is the airplane food? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I, think you get it anymore. Not a morsel to be no, had upon this No, a little tiny bag flight. of nuts? Tiny bag of nuts, yeah. And then what? You're going to give me a little thimble full of Sprite to wash it down with? Oh, yeah. The thimble
1: cup is a real... Try asking just, oh, could I have just the bottle of water?
0: No. No, no bottle of water. Wouldn't want to pollute on this jet plane that we're on. Let me fill it all with ice. And you know when you flush on those things, that thing just, it just goes out the bottom. Oh, my God. It's, yeah.
1: That's
0: not. Anyways, (laughs) I had to tell you, there needs to be federal commissions on this. These (sighs) airlines are totally unregulated.
1: (laughs) They really, yeah, they They certainly. They really, it's the wild west out there. yeah. Anyway,
0: everyone. <laughs> I'm, I apologize for all of that. My name is Liz. I wish that you weren't Liz saying that, but the CEO of every airline company to me, Brace Belton. <laughs> and our producer, of course, travel uh, blogger, Young Chomsky. <laughs> the points
1: guy. The points guy. Every time you just try to Google a thing, it's like the points guy comes up. Who is this guy? You know
0: what's going to make me sound really fucking stupid? <laughs> mm. You know those credit cards? Like, yeah. if you get a Gap credit card, is your bank the Gap now? No.
1: What? <laughs> are you taking your checks to the Gap? I don't have credit cards. The Bank of easy. I feel like Gap doesn't exist. I have a except Yeezy, for Yeezy credit, Yeezy credit card.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, I have a red Gap credit card. Oh, red like yeah. Bono style Bonos. with the parentheses. I don't even know what those guys were raising money for. I think it was AIDS. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Well, what else do we want to talk about? I gotta say, mice, like for computers. <laughs> no, They're wait, you
1: know, real quick, one last and, thing on the airplane. There's
0: like six buttons on Young Chomsky's mouse. What are these for? Those for gaming, I think. It's definitely not a gaming mouse. Um,
1: it looks very ergonomic. Mm-hmm. Um, one rat. last thing I'll say about the airlines. Now, this is a little interesting fact I found out. Apparently, one of the big reasons for the pilot shortage. Mm-hmm. Is because of the huge growth of the private plane industry. Really? Yeah. So Who's now taking these things? Everyone. Everyone charters. Not ev- not everyone we know. We don't know anybody then. But every insane wealthy person, of which there are many, charters flights. Every well, celebrity charter. Like that's insane. remember where you'd be like a kid and be like, oh my you know, someone so and so ran into someone on the Airplane Yeah And it was like a cool story Oh he saw He saw Vince Yeah My friend saw um, Vince (laughs) <laughs> Shit, what is that guy's name? Oh my God, why are we Shailene, so bad Shailene at Shailene okay, Woodley.
0: See. No, no. The, the oh, Andy
1: Dick. My friend saw Andy Dick oh, on an That's I, the worst guy to see on an airplane. Yeah, I think he was wasted.
0: I'd turn around and get my ass off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's either going to do a prank or Talk he's going to grab someone who's boob. probably
1: turning to their side because they're so oh, small and skinny could you and you on you. You
0: and your wife are like going to Barbados. And Andy Dick's in the middle, just fucking plumb wine. The middle? Yeah, he's in the middle. Oh, because you
1: try to do the smart thing yeah. where you're like, oh, you take the window, I take the aisle. No, no one's, one's going to choose take the, the middle. middle. No one
0: takes the middle? Dick takes the middle. <laughs> and then he, God, and then he, Jesus Christ. Um, What's up with that guy now? I don't know. Another he's thing wanna, not well, right? No, he ain't okay, man. Yeah. There's something wrong with that fella. Yeah. <laughs> I never really found him very charming. He, he was like Tom Green, but more abhorrent.
1: Yeah. And somehow around more. I don't
0: like he's like, I
1: I, I don't What happened know. to Tom Green?
0: Oh, uh, you don't know? That's no. what the, that's why they did red.
1: <laughs> what? Oh, green so, red. Yeah. That doesn't make sense.
0: No. Uh Tom Green is, I think, still around, but like not anywhere we would see him. Mm. One thing I want to bring up too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is what we call the airing of the
0: grievances. A lot of times you look at people comment. On our Patreon or whatever, which we have, and there are many more episodes available. at. <laughs> this is the first time in 300 something episodes that we remember to do that. Um, a lot of times people will be like, oh, How come they talk so much before the regular no podcast?
1: Says that people
0: be saying that, which is a, a cool way to say A small percentage of people be saying that. I want to, I want to, I want to ask you this. Next time I would like – next time that you attend the symphony, if you ever do, (laughs) you're going to see the Nutcracker. I want you to go down into the orchestra orchestra pit, and I want you to assail – every single person tuning their instrument down there and be like no you shouldn't do this When's does the nutcracker start no i want to hear the nutcracker i want to hear them don't don't tune let me just hear the please just play the nut... can you give me the timestamp for this show of the nutcracker when the nutcracker starts you know what you should do after you do that let me tell you what you should do you should take the advice of a certain monk in Vietnam, who is protesting? Okay, hold on. The regime of the Catholics that were in charge of that country and their oppression of the Buddhist minority. And I want you to go right into your nearest town square, douse yourself in a little bit of kerosene.
1: All right, let's and then just... be like,
0: this has gone far enough. But you guys know what I'm ca- getting at. Here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm gesturing towards. Exactly. I just want just you gesture to gesture towards that.
0: something. Exactly. Then I want you to fall onto a candle. <laughs> Which wouldn't be enough to do anything there.
1: Don't do any of that. But this is a good point you raise. Yeah. I like this little
0: metaphor. I'm just like, you know what? The artist needs to What you're saying is we're tuning our instruments. We're tuning instruments (laughs) by talking about airliners.
1: (laughs) You know, whatever. We do what we want. What about that? Check this out. Start your
0: own podcast. All right, let's get Tom on here. Wait, one last thing. What?
1: Did we say, but it's been three years. Happy anniversary.
0: That's true. Three years ago on July 23rd. 23rd? Jesus
1: Christ. Both Young Chomsky and I know this off the top of our head. And you. I got a lot going on, Ben. Yeah, you're going to Florida. You're going on on vacation.
0: That was not a vacation. July 23rd of 20. 19, we all met for the first time. <laughs> and we've been doing episodes. Why am I having to be the one who has to talk about this? I don't know. You, you just started. I don't have anything but
1: to say. But you're doing I just...
0: the thing where you have your hands in your lap and you kind of look at me like this. Like no, I have to I'm it. just doing that the whole time. You know, Liz, why don't you give a three-minute spe- uninterrupted speech right to. now about first us being all, a podcast for three that's years. not
1: I don't. I'm not here to speechify. Uh-huh. I just wanted to say... It's been swell.
0: It's been swell.
1: And love you guys. Love you guys, too. And here's to three more years? Let's, let's just take it a day at a time. <laughs> All right. Here's to taking it a day at a time. Mm-hmm. And with that, let's get on with the show.
0: Dong, (laughs) dong, dong, creak. Shump, shump, shump. As you hear the footsteps go up the stairs of the old Bailey. The skeletons creaking underneath their graves. You think to yourself, well, I've been here, a bewigged British judge... For nigh on 90 pence years, and a tuppence besides. And in all that time, since I pulled the sword from the stone, since I pulled the gavel from the bench, I've never seen the likes of a prisoner like this. And all right, for this part, Tom, I'm your American lawyer. Hold on, what's going on here? You cannot execute this man just for the charge of Coming back to Truanon, that's right, we have with us today, Tom Fowler, back for round three, um, to talk to us, one of our most requested guests, one of our most beloved guests, both from the team and from the audience, Uh, we're talking Spy Cops, episode three, Tom, how you doing, welcome back, and I'm sorry for the intro. I'm good, man. That's a great Australian accent. Good work.
1: I <laughs> love what uh, before we started recording. Tom was like, "Have you done your goofy British accent yet?" And we were like, "No, we're not going to do I'm it." Do that this time. <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> technically, I and You didn't. Great. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm incapable of doing a British accent. I can only because Australian accents are so much funnier. Yeah, you could you could try you could try Welsh accent one day, man. Try try Welsh accent next time I come on, yeah. Though I can speak fluent Welsh, I choose not to because I feel it's <laughs> I feel like it, our listeners feel like it's condescending. Yeah, uh, yeah. Fair Tom, play. Tom, we have you back here in the tower um, to talk about recent updates in in Spy Cops, and you know, actually, before we really get into it, would you be able to give our listeners, perhaps some new listeners, because it's been a year since you've been on, mm. Uh Mm. A, a, a summation of what is the spy cops case?
2: Yeah, sure. So I guess like the the story starts with the exposure. of guys like twelve fucking hours, twelve years ago now, um, where an undercover police officer was exposed uh, by activists um, who he was deployed within, uh, which led to the like the, the unraveling of. It turns out that there was two groups uh, in the British police, the Special Demonstration Squad and the National Public Order Intelligence Unit, who were sending undercover officers into political protest groups for five-year deployments uh, from 1968 onwards. Uh, These officers would infiltrate the lives of all sorts of progressive groups, um, anti-war groups, animal rights groups, environmental groups, across the left, interestingly not the far right, and seek to gather intelligence, but would not, um, and also to disrupt, but but wouldn't gather evidence for a court case. Unlike normal undercover cops, who kind of go, were deployed, and then there's a day in court, and they go, oh, I've got all this evidence." These guys would just deploy for five years, and then they would disappear, and they'd be replaced by somebody else who would carry on that sort of that that path of deployment. Um, yeah, and they've, they've been doing it for, uh, since 68, since the uh, a particularly big anti-Vietnam War protest that happens in, in London. Um, as part of their deployment, it turned out that they were using the identities of dead children, which they were stealing. They were um, uh, deceiving women into long-term intimate relationships. uh uh, they were subverting democracy in lots of ways, all sorts of groups that were maybe not considered in any kind of way of a threat by most ordinary people, uh, campaign groups, anything which made the cops look in a bad light. They were infiltrating those groups uh, mm-hmm. and behaving b- very much outside the law. Uh, this led to like a number of um, legal cases being brought by women, some of whom had, uh, had children with these officers not knowing that they were undercover cops. Um, that led then to a public inquiry being called in 2015. Um, obviously, with the, the British justice being the fastest you can buy, it's mm. been like seven years, and we've just got through like tranche
0: one of that. Um, yeah, I guess that's that's the, like the short version. Well, I mean, we should we should we shouldn't neglect to mention too that this also, you know, personally affected you. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I, I think I, it would be worth saying that I think if you were involved in any form of radical politics from uh, 1968 through to 2010, uh, it probably affected you too, but you just don't know it
0: yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're we're talking everything from you know, sort of the most like uh, you know, stuff-shirted Trotskyites to you know anarchist mm. to green kind of anarchist groups to, yeah. you know, children's groups to women's groups mm. really. I mean, and no group too small either. I mean, some of these, some of these organizations had like 20 people in them.
2: Yeah. I mean, some of them had three. Uh, um, and like they were, they were, they were, they were like, they were, I mean, particularly when they infiltrating the Maoists, they were like, you know, splits hey. upon splits, which sure. led to, you know, like undercover cops setting up their own little parties with like, yeah. two other people. Who's, the entire role of the party was to denounce the other parties. You know, I mean, just just some real classic sort of leftist infighting yeah. uh, information we've got through this process. I'm looking. At the I
1: think floor. one thing too that's really marked the um, you, you know the what makes the spy cops case so unique in terms of you know comparing it to. Like similar cases in, in the U.S. with how the police has infiltrated leftist groups is the role that these cops played, like marrying women, having children with women, mm-hmm. having these kind of, um, you, you know, complete and total double lives and and infiltrating social circles in a way that was just completely and totally, I, I think, just traumatic and, and destructive and horrific on so many different levels Mm. There's been a number of women that have come forward to kind of um, give testimony during this, the course of these, these inquiries, right?
2: Mm. Yeah, there has. In fact, um, some of them have just, just written, just published some books uh, which mm. are well worth your time Of Small Town Girl by Donna McLean and okay. uh, Deep Deception uh, by Helen Steele, Alison, Belinda and Lisa, um, which both are well worth reading. Uh, I mean, essentially the, the, the whole sort of story was broken open by these women. Um, it's, in some cases, these men, like, you know, part of the, the, the relationships weren't like some sort of collateral sort of uh, intrusion has been suggested by the cops. It would appear yeah. these were very much, this was the tactic with which to very deeply embed these officers into groups very quickly um, through these relationships. So they would target these women with, like, being the sort of ideal partner, to these women. So, obviously, when they left, there was a lot of trauma about how they left, um, which led some of these women to spend years trying to find them afterwards, mm-hmm. which led them on to just make, come up with the idea that maybe these men had been undercover cops. Um And, you know, it, it took them, in some cases, decades to get to a point where this was confirmed. And they were no longer thought of as mad by their friends and family, and it's actually completely true, and a matter of public record.
0: God, I mean, yeah, yeah that, that's just like... Trauma heaped on trauma yeah. heaped on fucking, mm. I mean, that would, that would drive anyone insane. Um, mm. You know, Tom, you mentioned that there's, there's a couple of books that have come out. There's a couple of, of television shows, too, and it's sort of, I know, I know that there have been, I think, as far back as yeah. 2016, at least, at least involving sort of spy cops a, as a storyline. And I really, I mean, it's, it's hard to gauge from over here because the spy cop scandal is literally a non-story story in, In the, the U.S., US yeah. no one has heard like, of it. It's this is. Yeah, I mean, I think even people who are pretty clued into politics, or like at least you yeah. know, you know, news news heads. Even
1: people who are clued into British politics, I'm yeah. not sure they know about
0: it. exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. How do you gauge it over there? Is there is there is there like I mean, what's the amount of um, sort of public scrutiny or, or, or public attention that this stuff is given?
2: I mean, it's incredibly limited. I mean, uh, you mentioned like TV, there's been some recent TV show, I think it was the BBC called Sherwood, which was like a TV drama that like used the spy cops thing as like a a major driver to its plot. Um, I mean, that got more media coverage than the last hearing of the inquiry. Um, Significantly more (laughs) coverage. I mean, it was quite depressing how many articles were written about that, speculating on which one Mm -hmm. was the spy cop than there was about the actual inquiry with the real... (laughs) <laughs> Who are these my cops? You know, but I mean, I, I'm like, I'm not a fan of TV drama. I don't really follow that it. kind of stuff, so like, uh, I didn't watch it or anything. But uh, yeah, I mean, weirdly, it seems like that sort of stuff had has a bigger role to play in public awareness of these things than like the actual facts, which is kind <laughs> of depressing, really. But um, yeah, I mean, for the most part, it's it's not a story. Um, it was a story when it first broke because it mm-hmm. was. Um, It's quite sensational. There's a lot of sex involved with it. So obviously that kind of got a bit of uh, interest uh, from the tabloids. Uh, But then there's a thing these days where tabloids kind of feel they've followed it. They've done it. They've kind of, it was about the sex thing. That's kind of it. That was their interest. That's kind of it, you know. And I don't think they really, there's no really interest in the wider sort of ramifications of the fact that every progressive movement in British society was infiltrated and destabilized and undermined systemically 50 years that aspect of it is not really like no nobody mentions that at all but i think uh, slowly like the, the concept that these units existed is becoming like kind of a given you know but you, you get that sort of thing of people going like oh we know that we know that and it's like well yeah. we know but we don't know the detail we don't know exactly what yeah you know
0: yeah, and I think the details here are important, especially if we're parsing. I mean, this is in some cases very recent history, but Blah. even just the history of the sort of uh, you know post sixty eight left in, mm. in in Britain. Um, you know, uh, w- one thing that sort of strikes me is that like the actual granular detail that these police operations took on when they were, when they were seeking out targets, when they were going into people's lives. I mean, I know that we we covered this in past episodes, but it is, it is nothing short of astounding the knowledge that the the police had of just like these people who were, I mean, and I don't mean this in like a um, in an insulting way at all, but you know, in the grand sort of historical scheme of things, relatively unimportant people. Right. Right. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. we're not they, they weren't exactly like, you know, on the on the sealed train to, to Russia with Lenin. Like, you know, they were they were at like potlucks, uh, where people were talking about, yeah. you know, uh chaining themselves to a power plant.
2: Yeah, I mean in some cases people had files opened on them because they would bought a copy of Socialist Worker, which was a Trotskyite newspaper.
0: Okay, well with that I've opened files on people for the same thing. But <laughs> that's
2: <laughs> But yeah, I mean it, it seems to te- and like you know, a lot like um A lot of people, whilst as children, you know, had attended some demonstration and they got a file opened on them. What we're really starting to kind of get a sense of through the inquiry is that, you know, once a file is opened, it needs feeding. And that like, even though these, you know, a lot of these files, um, people don't really get up to much, but there was was a file opened on them because they were, you know, close to an undercover cop at some point in their life. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes a self-fulfilling thing because they've been reported on once. Then they're a person of interest So this is, like, in a feedback loop where, like, their their files are constantly being updated and undercover cops are monitoring them for years to come because they were once monitored, you know?
1: Yeah, that's something we've talked about before, too, is just that, you know, with them infiltrating these, you know, like you said, sometimes, like, three person groups, mm. right? Because the program had grown and expanded so much and resources were already, it was, you know, the, the wheels were already in motion. They had to even just find places and people to infiltrate mm. and kind of give, you know, reasons for, you know, their program to keep existing. And so you see them in like smaller and smaller. And, you know, so you, it's that same sort of kind of feedback loop that you would see kind of mirrored yeah. with their surveillance.
2: I mean, one of the things we saw at the, this latest round of the inquiry was the disclosure of a lot of the uh, annual reports, which mm. like kind of gave their, which was their justifications basically for why they needed continued funding, um, and in some of the years that has you know been de- declassified, not a lot happened, uh, yeah. They've kind of, they're, they're having really like you know. Grasp at some very thin straws. You know, they were talking about the Angry Brigade right into the early 1980s. It's like been 10 years since everything had happened. But they were yeah, yeah. like at any moment, they could restart, you know, this kind of... that the, somehow the, the left were just, like, kind of biding their time, looking for an issue that they could jump on to, like, restart their campaign of chaos on the streets, you know. Um, but, I mean, yeah, like, like a lot of these institutions, they've got a budget, they've got a remit, Um, they want to just keep it going and keep expanding it and and keep increasing their budget as
0: much as they can for as long
2: as they can, you know.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you mentioned this recent round of inquiries. And so, you know, for those who who might be like, well, how come Tom's coming on in such, you know, a year and then another year and then another year? Um, It's because these inquiries, these official inquiries into the activities of the Spy Cops is taking so long that we're actually probably going to have a 100-year anniversary of when <laughs> this unit started by the time that we get to maybe tranche 3. Yeah, I mean, like, y- y-
2: you jest, but I mean, like, it, I think, you know, it's not that kind of – like, the way that things are going, it's – I mean, it's been seven years, right, since it started. Um, and, like, it, the, the, the period that has been covered so far is, like, before any sort of um, – Uh, digitization of any records. So a lot Mm -hmm. of the records have been very thin. So the period which which has been covered by the Inquiry so far, which has taken uh, this long, has been 68 to 82. Um, The amount of of, of material for that time period is much less than later periods. Um, So it it doesn't bode well. Um, There's going to be a two-year break now after this. Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait, a two-year break? (laughs) Two-year break, yeah. Wait, but but why? Well, so what they're saying is, is, is to give them the opportunity to prepare everything so that from there on, the rest of the inquiry will take place uh, live in hearing form uh, continuously until its end. Oh, my so, God. In, so we'll have a two-year break, and then from then on, for months on end, we will have daily hearings. Uh, this feels like- Thursday.
1: Brace style excuse. It's like I've heard this before, this is, where it's like, it's like, no, no, let's just take the two year break, and then I promise it's going to go real <laughs> fast. <laughs> this is, this is actually. Back.
0: I mean, no, this is this is a really good tactic, especially. I mean, what, what, you know, the, the, all right, if if you're coming at this from the government's point of view. Um, or at least from, let's say, even you're coming out from like the SDS, like the, you know, the, 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 the police, just the even specific like policemen, the Metropolitan Police, whatever's point of view, is you would want this to drag out as long as Absolutely. possible because dragging. Stretching it so thin across so many years, there's naturally going to be, I mean, that the way news cycles work, the way that public interest works, mm. it's going to die down, it's going to ebb, and people are gonna be like, oh, they're still doing that spy cops thing. Well, that's you know, not only did that was that ancient history when it happened, that was ancient history when I thought this trial, when I last read about this trial. So there must not be anything more important or, or new to learn.
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, and that's the exact effect that, I mean, you said where people are like, oh yeah, that's the thing we've always known about. And because the thing stretches out for so long, you kind of convince yourself, you know, you become numb to the, to the knowledge where it's like, oh yeah, this has just always been common. It's like, no, it hasn't. And it still hasn't, even though it's been going on for a couple of years, it still hasn't ever been common knowledge, you know?
2: Yeah, totally. And also people die. Um, you know, lots of people Mm -hmm. die. Um, like since we've had the last hearing, Ernie Tate, who was one of the people who was spied on, sadly died. Uh, Barbara Shaw, who was the mother of Rod Richardson, whose identity was stolen um, by undercover cops and and used. Uh, she died just a couple of weeks before they decided that it was probably unlawful that he'd done that. Um, yeah. And as people die or like cops retire, move abroad, all these kind of things, there's less and less people to carry the can, less and less people to like be annoyed about what's happening, you know. Uh, it's definitely a police tactic you know people often say in britain that the public inquiries are an exercise in kicking the ball into the long grass um (laughs) yeah and and it's like uh, they're, they're always trying to like extend that as much as they can and you know i mean like it's it's been laughable like the way in which like the the police lawyers are going like kind of try to complain about the delay themselves and like, well, mm. it is going on so long. It's like, it's because you bloody kept dragging your yeah. heels on disclosure, on anonymity,
0: on, you know, so many of these things. So what have we learned from this last uh, phase of phase three of Tranche one? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, I mean, uh, I, so this one finally, because, the first two were, took place during COVID, so this one actually yeah. looked like an inquiry. So we actually got to mm. see the whites in person, see the whites of the eyes of the, of the officers, and the whites evidence. of the wigs. The whites of the wigs, yeah, and all that caper, yeah. I mean, they, uh, yeah, there was it was a full. It was, I mean, it was in a in, in a posh hotel uh, conference room rather than in court because it was mm. the size required. But um, it was actually felt like felt like it was actually a, like previously. i have yep. been going to this viewing room and watching giant TVs of what was going yeah. on. With everybody feel else, speak. it was a really weird sort of interaction. So this one actually did feel like an inquiry. Um, unfortunately, these we didn't hear from any undercover off, like field officers this time. This was all backroom staff. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were maybe a bit more, um, they, they were kind of less like the trip up. And it wasn't like, ah, it was you. You were the guy who pretended to be the other guy. You know, you didn't have that moment. It was a bit of a shame uh they definitely you know i mean they were more they'd forgotten more than they'd ever remembered in their life you know i mean it was it, you know, as usual <laughs> um you know, they all denied all knowledge of any of the sex or i mean and some of them they denied knowledge that their d- kids identities had been used which just was nonsense um We did. I mean, like the things that we did find out were more kind of sideways, really. Like, so there had been a secret hearing, what they called Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Phase Four, though it happened before uh, Phase Three, because I don't know why. uh, Which was five undercover officers giving evidence in secret. Um, In secret. Yeah, completely in secret. So we didn't. We don't know their names. their, Their cover names. uh,
0: These people, I I would assume, because of the time period, are are very likely no longer actively undercover either.
2: Oh, I mean, no, not at all. This is, I mean, they they were deployed during the 1970s. Exactly. Um, I mean, they were advanced years. Part of their anonymity is that because of their advanced years, they shouldn't be felt to feel at risk at all. Um, I mean, further anonymity has been given because uh, for fear of embarrassing their children, which, I mean... It's just yeah. I mean, like the anonymity. The anonymity is so deep for the undercover cops that they're one of the families of uh, a dead child whose identity was stolen. They can't identify themselves. They they they're, they're, they cannot be named, so they can't speak to the press. They can't do any kind of. They can't say this is injustice has been done to them because that cop has got anonymity, so they we can't they can't Wait. name themselves because their child's name was stolen. Wait, which. It's just like a ridiculously sick.
0: So, their undercover cop stole the identity of their dead child, but they're yeah. not legally allowed to talk about it because yeah. the identity of their dead child was illegally used or yeah, maybe grey or illegally, they, yeah, by an undercover police officer.
2: Yeah, and he's got anonymity by the inquiry.
0: Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. Yeah. Grim. Yeah. You know, how do you, how do you contain yourselves going to yourself, going to these things, man? I mean, this is I mean, like, so
2: generally, I mean, I, I'm quite lucky. I think, thank God we live in 2022. 20, Cause I mean, what I can do is like, when I'm like, you, you listen to the hearings and then you get a break and you get to go into a side room and then I can just like stream live on Twitter and go, yeah, what yeah. a bunch of motherfuckers. These motherfuckers are, they're disgusting human beings and they all want fucking shooting. You know what I mean? Like, you get which it makes it a bit easier. I mean, like, some like during this round of hearings, we had like um uh, Jeffrey Kraft, who was like a particularly odious senior manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whilst we were talking, we were talking about the um the infiltration of the funeral of Blair Peach. Blair Peach was yes. a member of the Social Workers' Party who was killed by a number of members of the special patrol group. Um, his funeral was. Uh, infiltrated by undercover cops who took photographs and built up dossiers, basically on people largely, you know, from the photos taken. It was quite common for people's photo in their file to be from the funeral. Um, when he was asked about that, and maybe you know, maybe that was insensitive, um, he in the same room as Celia Stubbs, who was uh, Blair Peach's widow, and like numerous other people who had known Blair Peach his friends and comrades. So, then none of these people really cared about Pierre Peach anyway. They was just using his death as an opportunity to attack the police, and they were fair game. I mean, like the insensitivity of these people is fucking yeah. galling. Do you know what I mean? They're just fucking.
0: Yeah. 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 Reading through the tranche, it, you know, it's notable how, how protective and defensive mm. a lot of these police officers were. You know, I, 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 think, mm. I think probably everyone listening out there has done some things in their lives that they're not proud of. <laughs> And, you know, sometimes pride does indeed get in our way of admitting that, but, you know, there are some things that are so unequivocally and unjustifiably Mm -hmm. wrong that even Mm -hmm. if, you know, you know, even if in the, in the, uh, like, whatever, in the interest of national security, if any of these cynics actually believe that, uh, you know, they can't even recognize it like, oh, we had to do some hard stuff in order to, you know, break up a trotskyist group of 40 people or you know what have you um but no they're like no we 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 had to do this this was necessary that we had to do it and like it actually wasn't that bad that we did it in the first place like it was totally fine to do mm. yeah i mean there,
2: there was like quite a significant amount of pride from these officers about the role of the unit but then a complete amnesia about the specifics of what they mm. did <laughs> um you know it just Yeah, this complete. I think I might have said it last time I came on. If you want to see real solidarity, watch a cop being asked about the wrongdoing of his fellow cops. Because they will never dub each other in. I mean, like in in some of the previous uh, phases, we'd heard from former undercover officers who like kind of blamed their senior officers for what they got up to. Um, so that I mean that was put to some of these senior officers that you know you were told by the, you you'd recruited this officer no no that definitely didn't happen that definitely didn't happen what you don't remember like everything else you have said no, no 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 I remember that definitely didn't happen I didn't recommend that officer I did I mean like as soon as there are any specifics they could be drawn on they was no that didn't happen um, but otherwise they just forgot you know uh, there, there was there was a great deal of that but they were they they, they were thought that I mean one of the um, uh, David Smith, one of the other uh, senior managers, you know, I mean, he opened up by saying that the, the general public would have been proud of the work they were doing because they gave the they, they were responsible for giving freedom to the people of Britain to live in a representative democracy. I mean, the, you know, there's—I mean, it's long been the case that cops kind of consider any form of left-wing activism as a form of criminality. Uh, but like these these officers like kind of took it beyond that. They, they almost took it personally that people mm. dared to be involved in like kind of movements for social change.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny, you know. A general theme that you can get from reading through this this, this the, the tranche is that uh, there's a culture of real impunity there. Oh, yeah. Like there's a, and 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 it's a sort of something. That, something that comes up a lot is is I mean, and this is also a way of covering your ass if you're in the government. Don't ask, don't tell, where I don't necessarily believe them. I do believe they were asked, and I do believe they told. But yeah. that is always a very convenient excuse if you're sort of a lower or middle level, you know. you know. Uh, are the are these super grasses? or, or A gra- super grass is a guy who snitches. No.
2: Yeah, a, a super grass is a snitch, yeah. Well, I okay. mean, a, a super grass would be,
0: yeah, yeah, someone
2: who's, who's turned
0: snitch, like not okay. someone, like, not an infiltrator. So, um, a, yeah. An infiltrator like this, you know, it's a really good excuse because, like, well, my 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 superior didn't know, and then their superior could be like, well, I didn't tell them to do that, and so it's sort of these things just appear out of the ether, right? Like these things Mm. just sort of happen in a passive way in history, Mm. and I was, you know, or like accidentally drawn into it. I, uh, I'm sorry, I had a baby with this woman, but like, you know, it's just, it's it's just it's what we needed to do for the mission that we were not told to do by anybody. So, I mean, one of the
2: things that came up quite a lot, and I, an area that we really weren't expecting, I don't think, was the high level of involvement of MI5, uh, which mm. is the security services, which yeah. are, like, the proper spooks, I guess. Because, yeah. I mean, one thing which, like, some people kind of get confused just to, like, explain the differences between, like, different elements of the security service. Um, when we're talking about the spy cops, we're talking about, like, plod, uh, 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 you know, like proper, like, cops, you know. Yeah. Not, not, these are not specialists, or these are not, like, um, He's not spies he's not james bondy type dudes these are these are genuine cops like and the, the previously they might have been on their bike doing like the doing on the beat you know the, yeah yeah, they, yeah they've become reflective the t- best yeah right so they've been they've brought into special branch they're special branch officers then they become you know they're already political police then they come uh, undercover police but they're still just cops um mi5 is like the security services these are like um these these are your my you. Know, your James Bond type, I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they think themselves as, but, you know, they, they, they do, um, they, they're proper spooks. Yeah. You know, they're, they're armed, they're involved in, like, coups around the world and all this kind of crazy shit that security services do. Um, what we've discovered is that there's just quite a large amount of direction from MI5 towards um, the, S, the SDS, from the very beginning, really, about asking them to target people, um, you know, presenting lists of people they want monitored. Mm-hmm. Um you know, r- specific requests for information, uh, a number of like the the former um, uh, officers back the senior officers the um, the management, like hinted that there was like a two- way street with this kind of information that somehow that MI 5 were feeding like they were feeding their information back and forth, but for the most part they, they, they talk about being a client relationship, you know that they were going out on that, that M i5 was their customer and they were going out and getting information for them. But the, the inquiry—I mean, like the, the, the MI5 and the Cabinet uh, Committee on Sedition and Public Life, which is like the senior government sort of repression, sort of uh, it's kind a of sinister direction.
1: title. Yeah, <laughs> right. everything yeah, in yeah, Britain yeah. has sinister title.
2: Yeah, very. Sad. I mean, like this is like, this is the wider sort of infrastructure of repression, um, mm-hmm. and we, we like we're starting to see how like these spy cop units were just really just the tip of the iceberg and that there's a much bigger and wider repression infrastructure um, mm. that involves all sorts of other um, sections of the British state. But and uh, because they were part of that, the spy cops kind of felt that they could behave outside the law. You know, they, they broke a lot of like kind of fairly basic kind of common law things about like uh, illegal entry and seizure and trespass, which, a normal cop would never be allowed to do. And like technically they had no legal, they had no legal justification for it, but because they were doing work for MI5, they thought they could behave like MI5. Mm -hmm.
0: Um,
2: So this culture of impunity seems to have, I mean, partially maybe come from that. Uh, But the, the, so these, these, the looking at MI5 isn't part of the terms of of the inquiry, but the list of questions that's come out of this, the the, the inquiry's like uh, published a list of like areas of inquiry. Um, And, you know, it's MI5 and the Committee for Sedition and Public Life. What role they played is obviously, it's much bigger. It appears that, you know, there's much more direction. That the idea that we we kind of got this impression maybe that these units were set up and they went along on their way Mm -hmm. and they just did whatever they pleased and they weren't really answerable to anybody. But we're getting the impression now that there was much more direction of them uh, and they were being given uh, direction, though the specifics of it are Quite hard to get out, but that they were being given direction to spy on certain people, spy on certain organizations. Uh, we had like this, the situation where one of the undercover officers was discovered as having a relationship by some other form of surveillance that was taking place on the group he was infiltrating. Mm. And you kind of get a glimpse of a much bigger yeah. picture of, it's not just like these groups of like a handful of people didn't just have one undercover officer in them. They also had like informers and this thing and that thing and somebody from yeah. 5 Monitor as well. Um, so you are really getting like a a picture of, you know, like it's a wonder that anything on the left happened in Britain during that time period, you know, because the levels of oppression are so high.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask if that kind of, I mean, I don't know if I want to call it collaboration. I I guess what you're saying about it being contracted out, maybe probably makes more sense for that relationship between MI5 Mm -hmm. and SGS. But if that kind of collaboration is common or like in other instances, or if this is kind of, you know, one of the first where you've seen that like blurry boundary, because I think what you're saying about it, hinting at a larger infrastructure
0: mm. is
1: like a pretty massive breakthrough Yeah, <laughs> that should be getting a much more attention, right? Like, um, you know, MI5, MI6, notoriously opaque, obviously, mm. but that sort of infrastructure then kind of like crawling out into the Domestic surveillance, I think, mm. would probably or should probably get the attention of some of the British press. You would think, right?
2: Right. Yeah. Totally. I mean, it, it just isn't. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's. I mean, it's really depressing how it isn't. But it, it just isn't. But I agree, it should. And I think like the the um, what, what it means, what like the discovery of this means about like kind of how Britain's developed politically over the last few yeah, years.
1: Absolutely.
2: And that, like, you know, because particularly when you consider that they didn't do this to the far right. Yes. And, like, particularly when you think about, like, the, the groups that they were infiltrating, like, particularly the early ones, right, like the anti-apartheid movement, the anti-Vietnam War campaign, these were groups with mass popular support. Um, you know, like, it was, it, was, you know, it was a mainstream, like, majority opinion in Britain that we shouldn't go into Vietnam, Right, that was the, the, those demonstrations were representing the will of majority of the people. Most yeah. people in Britain, like at the time, you know, kind of different. But like these days, you won't find anybody who's supporting apartheid in South Africa. You know, these yeah. are like these were these were pop, like campaigns with really like large scale popular support. Yet the like the the legacy of them uh, in Brit, in British politics is not is negligible. It's non-existent. The people who led these campaigns didn't go on to do other things. They got blacklisted and never bloody worked again. You know, um like whereas on the right there's there's no like infiltration in the far right they're allowed to blossom as much as, as they want they never they never really get that much popular support but you look at now how like how much they've influenced mainstream politics and how much they've got you know like the way in which britain was shaped by like the yeah. things like the uk independence party and farage and all that kind of shit yeah, i think totally. it's largely because that that tendency was allowed to to blossom whereas the left was completely crushed despite like totally different levels of
0: public support yeah, I mean, well, you sort of have to marvel at that because you know you're you're correct in that. Yeah, I mean, Britain Britain did not officially enter the war in Vietnam, um, and at the same time, these groups that were trying to prevent what actually you know turned out to be the will of the British people were being infiltrated and spied upon and steered, you know, mm. in this way by the security services of the mm. United Kingdom, which is it's just astounding. Mm. Um, you know, it it is it is it is a direct intervention into politics in in, in a way that you see you know sort of uh, you know in, in the obviously you know uh, spying on some some small anarchist or communist or whatever group it, it is as well. But but this is something that like you know I, you know as as much as I hate to admit it, it's very unlikely that a Maoist organization was going to take control
2: of
0: <laughs> of England or really any part of the UK. <laughs> Uh, during that specific period, although of course the terrain has, has changed and it's we're only a, f- a few months or even weeks away from it now, but um, <laughs> you know it, it's sort of just astounding, just like totally like you know they, they were treating these groups that represented the will of the British people, and it, d- it doesn't even matter if they didn't, but they did, and and trying to steer them and, and and destroy them and 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 put them in a different direction. You know, one thing that you you mentioned too is is, is like Nigel Farage. You know, you can draw a fairly direct fucking line from the National Front to right. the to the fucking British National Party to what's the other one they had? They have to change their name so much. I think English uh,
1: UKIP. UKIP uh, the, the
0: English Defence League, or English like, Defence League, UK, yeah, exactly yeah. UKIP. All of that yeah. is like the same through line, yeah. Right, and then you get sure. to a guy all like the
1: same guys have been around forever, exactly. Too. You know, <laughs> I mean, and
0: they might not be skinheads on the street anymore. They don't need yeah. to be. I mean, the, the circumstances have changed, but like. You know, it is. It is just a straight line, and like, I, I mean, I, yeah, I, it is. It is sort of. Uh, what, what was their What was the task? I mean, these were a lot of these guys. You know, sort of their foot soldiers were skinheads who beat the shit out of like you know sm- smelly hippies who might want uh, it to be okay for a couple of dudes to. You know, I yeah, that. I mean,
2: like, the, the, the violence of the far right during the, the 1970s in Britain was, yeah, like, significant. There were a number of racial murders. There was, you know, like they, they were organising race attacks. Uh, people mm-hmm. getting burnt out of their homes. Um, it was quite significant. Um, it was quite telling then to hear, like, former spy cops managers saying that they weren't a problem, that yeah. the National Front wasn't a problem at the time, you know, which, but whereas the anti-fascists were you know because they were causing the problem by not cooperating with the police when they were going out to disrupt national front marches and stuff uh, but i mean yeah, yeah you I mean you got the impression from the former officers that they were sympathetic to the
0: views of the national yeah. front and you know it's ever thus like is it you know D- does this make you or or has this had sort of an effect on the, on the left wing in 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 the uk Sort of going over, tallying the the losses and the victories, uh, you know, of the past. I can't do math since the '60s.
2: Yeah, we genuinely have no historical institutional memory. I would say yeah. I mean, that's the that's the lasting effect, right? Yeah. Uh, there's, so I mean, like, the Socialist Workers Party still exists um, from the like f- from the '70s to now. Yeah. But like, I mean, they're an incredibly problematic organisation in a number of ways. Agreed. I mean, like, they they were the most infiltrated um, with. You know, two me- like two members of their central committee were undercover cops during the nineteen seventies. Um, Incredible! You know, there was twenty four undercover cops that we've know of so far who <laughs> infiltrated the Socialist Workers Party. I mean, they still exist, but like, I mean, by that you kind of wonder if like they kind of exist on purpose because the the and there were, there were so many because it was such the it was always the first place undercover cops would go. They'd be like, oh, join the local branch of the SWP, and then like, leave that and then join some other left-wing group. That was kind of like yeah. the normal path. So they kind of needed the SWP to continue to exist. But other than that, no, none of these other groups really last. You know, there is no institutional memory. I think mean, that's largely part of the reason why it's not a bigger story, is that yeah. like, people have forgotten a lot of these social movements. They've forgotten them completely, you know. Um, and they're not – so people don't see the significance of them being wiped out. You know, something like the Troops Out movement, you know, like, again – it was not like most people didn't think we should have british soldiers on the streets of northern ireland uh, sending the troops in wasn't popular before was, or it was felt it should be just short term they should be withdrawn that movement which was run within a cup with very quickly was run by undercover cops who were literally general secretary of the movement um and then totally dismantled but then most people just kind of forget these things were, were, were things in, in the first place you know um yeah, I mean, the, the, in terms of like the coverage thing, we there was a bit more coverage Kate Wilson, one of the women who brought mm-hmm. a case um and was the only one that was able to take it on to the IPT, the Investigative Powers Tribunal, which is like a secret court. Um unbelievably won her case uh, back in was October now. That was I mean, I think that we've kind of discovered more from that really than we have from the inquiry. Um mm. There was a bit of coverage of that, still not not that much, but I mean, that, that was probably the most significant, like, kind of in terms of revelations about how the undercover cops operated um, on a, like, a day, but also, it's a lot more recent because obviously she was in a relationship with Mark Kennedy, who was yeah. the, the cop who was like exposed whilst deployed. Um, and we got to see kind of his, as, as part of that, we got to see kind of bits of like his notebooks, uh, his logs of him dealing with his handlers and like just the level to which there was just like minute by minute monitoring um, like a lot of the time, um, we kind of have this idea of like the officers in the field reporting back occasionally. But by the time he's deployed, which is like the early two thousands, um, he's reporting back every like ten fifteen minutes to his handler, um, with text message, phone call, whatever, um, all sorts of different methods. But like constantly updating at, at all times and feeding information, getting fed information about people around him when he's in situations. Um, yeah, we, we learned a lot more from that than we did really anything else. There is due to be some other cases which should be going like over the next two years before we go back to the inquiry again. Um there should be some other things that, that should go to court. But because of the nature of the inquiry, like there's arguments from the police that these things should be like held off on until the inquiry's finished, mm-hmm. which obviously is a farce. But you
0: know. I mean, I know we've talked about this before, but what what do you mean? What do you really think? In any concrete, but also in any sort of um, maybe non-concrete ways, although it's a pretty clumsy way to put it, uh, effects might th- these inquiries actually have on both both British political life. I mean, obviously there is not as um, let's say radical a left wing there as, as there once was, um, but British political life. You know, the 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 idea of the British public, but also, I mean. There is essentially no chance that any of the actual people involved in these, let's say, extra legal activities, mm. are actually going to face any measure of of justice, legal or social, right? Oh no, not not at all.
2: No, I mean, um, the, the, the the most most we can hope for really is is the embarrassment level uh, mm. thing. I mean, like, uh, so Vincent Miller, who was one of the, the first officer to be exposed as having had a Sexual relationship during the last set of hearings, uh, because he admitted to deceiving a number of women into sexual relationships after the hearings. His real name was given, which was Vincent Harvey, and it turned out he was quite a senior police officer who went on to run the Serious Organised Crime Agency for a mm-hmm. while. Um, like that's called like seems to have called him caused him personally some distress to be outed like that. Yeah. But I mean that's kind of it, right? I mean like mm-hmm. there's no there's no like. Uh, Nothing like I mean, still, uh, Andy Davey as he was when he was deployed undercover, um, Andy Coles is still a conservative councillor, Peter Peterborough Council. Um, you know, they, it's continued his political career. I mean, essentially, what the inquiry does is just keeps the issue alive, realistically. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for that, I think like it, it's kind of solidifies it as fact, and there's still a huge part for those of us who were personally affected it's usually part of kind of getting the narrative like on our side, like kind of, this is mm-hmm. fact, right? This isn't some conspiracy. This isn't like, oh, who can tell? No, this is like, there were this many officers and they were in this unit and they were deployed at this time and they've got names and faces. And just, I mean, doing that is, a, it's not a victory, but like it's it's an end in itself, right? Yeah. So I mean, like in terms of what comes out of this process, I don't. I'm not hoping for any kind of like useful kind of recommendations from the inquiry. I mean, there's meant to be, an interim report that will come out before the next tranche because it's been so delayed. Um, there is, a, I mean, there's a there's a theory that at a, a Home Affairs Select Committee meeting in, in Parliament a, maybe a month ago, a representative of the Home Office suggested, floated the idea that perhaps after the interim after the interim report, they might wind up the inquiry because it's been mm. so expensive. It's been, been just like, shut just, the whole thing down. Just shut the whole thing down. Yeah, too much Not quit. in public interest. Yeah, I mean, you know. Um, I mean, like since the inquiry has been called, we've had like a lot of um, changes in the law in, in the UK that makes mm-hmm. a lot of this activity legal. Um, there's, I mean, this discourse generally. I mean, there's like, um, like the Tories proposed right, removing um, like the, uh, the the ability to prosecute uh, British soldiers who commit war crimes.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, that. Which
2: was supported by the Labour opposition. You know, I mean, like there's. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's you know, that, that's the kind of level of of, of politics in Britain. So. You know, there's a kind of a feeling that it was like maybe it was hastily done, this this inquiry being called, mm. and that perhaps it's not really in the public interest. It's out I of mean, emotion. Yeah, right. So like, there is a thing, I think, that I mean, hopefully it will, the ego of Sir John Mitting, the chair of the inquiry, will mean it carries on uh, because he's a high court judge, or a retired high court judge. And, you know, being told he can't do that anymore might, might piss him off. But That's- there is a possibility the inquiry just gets wound up. Um, and then, like, you know, you think people are interested now, like, see how less interested they are when there's yeah. not some official backing to these facts and figures coming out, you know? Yeah. I think it's highly likely that it would, like, the issue would die even more without the inquiry being ongoing.
0: First of all, that's fucking insane to me that there's still <laughs> sir guys there. That oh, yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah. You guys have a, the house, I got to be real with you i am kind of played dumb on the show here sometimes, but I know a thing or two about politics. What the, the fact that you guys have a house of Lords and that you can yeah. basically just pay to be in it is the most yeah. astounding thing to me about, I think modern well, political life like a, anyway.
1: Now you have a new goal.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, well uh, I mean, so one of the people, um,
2: who was, uh, one of the things we heard about, um, during the last years of the inquiry was, the infiltration of the Workers Revolutionary Party. Who uh, one of the like the main faces of it was Vanessa Redgrave. Um, oh yeah, and her husband, well, right? Now no, Dame Dame Vanessa Redgrave. Now, <laughs> you know, <what laughs> I mean, like, <laughs> I
0: forget enough, about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She is. She is a dame. So, like, you know, there is maybe yeah, this yeah. helps you. yet. Yeah,
2: maybe you will end up in the House of Lords one day. I mean, enough enough other people are sold out enough.
0: You know, <laughs> <laughs> sort of classic trajectory. Well, yeah. Tom. I mean, is there is there anything else? Do you want to let our listeners know about this stuff?
2: Uh, I mean, there's there's loads of things. I mean, I've, I've, as usual, like my general disorganized sort of pattern. I probably missed a thousand things that have happened since I was last on. Um, there will be more things coming up bef- before the next sitting of the inquiry. Um, I mean, not least the the though the the the, 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 um, the the judgment's been handed down in Kent Wilson's case, like the kind of the. The, the the full disclosure of that hasn't fully come out yet so there mm. might be more to come from that fairly soon hopefully but um it might be a while you know like fairly soon in spy cops world is like you know is <laughs> measured in years rather than months but uh yeah if anybody wants to like kind of uh follow the things as they come out to follow me on twitter or check out the website cops.info. Um, we'll link both find everything you want there we were yeah. still doing the podcast very rarely uh, but we're still doing it occasionally spike up simple podcast subscribe to that i am
0: well tom i gotta t- be honest with you it is a i hate that we have to talk about what we have to talk about but it is a delight as always talking. as always yes
2: cheers well i mean on that thing you, you told me on email earlier that you had a story from me about mdc where i'm going to see yes. on thursday so tell yeah. me
0: about that. Talk about yes. that. Yes. Yeah, we, we were – maybe we were maybe going to have to reschedule this interview for Thursday. Um, although I don't – whenever this comes out, that might not make sense to our listeners. But anyways, it's Monday right now. Um, I, when I was in middle school, I was a fan of the band MDC, which they changed what it stood for sometimes. But it was an 80s hardcore band from San Francisco. Well, originally from Dallas, I believe. Or Austin. Yeah, Dallas. Yeah. Um, that stood for Millions of Dead Cops. And I had a T-shirt – that I wore in I think sixth grade that had it was half cop and then half Klansman, and he was pointing a gun at the it's a sort of most famous logo. And I wore it to school, and my principal made me take it off, which in retrospect, well, this this is pre-columbine. And uh and <laughs> I had to take it off and I was like, what? I can't wear, I can't wear a shirt that just says millions of dead cops with with this on it. And I was like, you're trampling on my political rights. So I wrote to Dave Dichter, the singer of MDC, an email, the first email I ever sent in my life. And he sent a letter to my principal uh, saying that it was actually should be okay for me to do you have that letter? Uh, I do not, but it used to be on the MDC website. Um, oh, we got to get that letter back It, it is, it is, I tried to find Little it Little baby Brace felt I know he should be able to wear his t-shirt Yes, and they did not let me wear the t-shirt again
1: Well,
2: good and an unhappy an ending to the story they're Great guys, man, great band They stayed at my house once years ago I'm going, yeah. They're playing on Thursday night, so I'm going to go and see them
0: Who, uh, who are they playing with, Oi Palloi?
2: No, they're playing with Zero again Which um, is like my mate's band oh, And... Sick. I try to remember. There's another band they're playing, but I can't remember who they are. But yeah, they, it, it'll be good. It's in the Exchange in Bristol, which is a great venue. Mm-hmm. Um, and Zero again, a great band. They're my mates' band. They like include ex-members of Grand Collapse, which are okay. uh, one of the greatest like uh, punk bands to come out of the UK. The lead singer of which, my dear friend and comrade Calvin Sewell sadly died a couple of months ago. So I really recommend everybody go and check out Grand
0: Collapse and download all their shit, man. Absolutely, yeah. You heard of here? Finally, we get to a subject that I know things about. (laughs) Um, Tom, it has been a pleasure, and uh, you know, I've had a whales of a time with you. Oh my God, (laughs) (laughs) this (laughs) is so (laughs) fucking dreadful.
2: (laughs) If all else fails, try whales. Yeah, man, classics.
0: Really fucked up by not introducing him the first time we had him on as Tom of Ink. What the, the fuck was that?
1: Dude, actually, when I was on the train coming here, yeah. lightning, I saw lightning. And good I'm like, I'm God. on a fucking train. Like, you're not supposed to be on a train in lightning, right? No. no. I feel like that's dangerous. Yeah, I so. think you're
0: pretty good there, yeah. What if it hits, like, the third rail? Wouldn't that, like... <sighs> That already has lightning. But wouldn't something happen? Yeah, it make your train go faster.
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Anyway, I got real. It was crazy when it
0: happened. That was fucked up, anyway, man. Sorry, that's my story. That was crazy. Um, anyways, <laughs> we should have called him Tom of England. Oh, my God. That's very cute. Yeah, and we didn't. I mean, he's Welsh, so let's not, I don't want to. Oh, yeah,
1: know. we. I think we would offend him then if we called know, him Tom I of Wales. I know, I know, I
0: know, but he would get it. It's close enough. Uh, I don't, shouldn't we just call him Tom of Wales? Tom of Wales? Yeah, I like that, too. It doesn't work as well. Welsh Tom? Tom Tommy the Welshman?
1: I feel like we're just coming up with maybe insensitive Welsh?
0: nicknames. <laughs> Welsh? Well, if we're coming up with a real insensitive nickname, we'd be <laughs>
1: Ah, there's that
0: fluent Welsh we <laughs> <wrote> so told <laughs> about. You can recognize it anywhere. <laughs> that's yeah, that's street Welsh. Not a lot oh of people speak God. that. That's the gutter argot. Argo? How do you pronounce that? A R G O T. Argot? Arget? Sounds right. Stumped. No, you're just saying that. You I don't have no know. Idea. If you know, don't let us know. Okay. And on that note, I'm Liz. My name. My name. My name is is Scottish John. (laughs) And we have with us producer Young Chomsky. And the podcast is called. Let's all do it at the same time because it's our three-year anniversary. One, two, three. True or not? You didn't do it. Gotcha. That's not a gotcha. All right. One more time. No, I'm not doing it this time. One more time. No way. One. Two, three. True and on. Oh, I didn't do it this time. Gotcha. Okay. Well, let's just do it one more time. One, two, three. True and on.
1: Oh, we all did it. There That's we go. Cute. And right. we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.